the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Being a woman in the workplace can be difficult to navigate. There are different standards that apply to each sex, and often women end up being too nice. Does this sound familiar? Joining us today to explain how you can advocate for yourself while advancing your career is Dr. Lois Frankel. Dr. Frankel is the author of the New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling Nice Girls Don't Business books. She's the president of Corporate Coaching International and is recognized for her business coaching and empowerment of women. Dr. Frankel has appeared on the Today Show, CNN, and NPR, and she and her books have been featured in USA Today, The New York Times, People, and The Washington Post, among others. Her new audiobook is Nice Girls Don't Speak Up or Stand Out, How to Make Your Voice Heard, Your Point Known, and Your Presence Felt. Welcome, Dr. Frankel. Thank you so much for joining us. Joan, thank you for having me. So, Lois, you're the creator of the Nice Girls Don't Business books. What is your definition of a nice girl? Yeah, a nice girl is someone who acts according to the behaviors or expectations that she learned in childhood. And those could come from parents, and they they often do, but they could also come from teachers, from um, Madison Avenue, uh, from the church, from all kinds of uh, places that young girls and little girls get get bombarded with these messages. And so um, sometimes they're cultural, sometimes they're regional, but when you act according to those messages that you heard in childhood, you can't achieve your adult goals. Now, some of those messages about being nice are important. Of course, we all have to be nice. So nice is necessary, but it's not sufficient. How does a woman balance being too nice with standing up for herself? Because I know sometimes when I stand up for myself, there's a lot of criticism that comes with that. Yeah, you know, there's two two ways I'd like to address that. First is, the fact is, when it comes to communication, there's different rules for men and women. We don't like women who communicate like men, and we don't like men who communicate like women. And so women need to learn to do what Kathleen Kelly Reardon calls walking the thin pink line. And the way we do that is by learning to tell people to go to hell so they look forward to the trip. (laughs) And that's exactly what I try to do in this book, is give women the tools and techniques and the tips and the models for how to do exactly that with courage and confidence. Because speaking your mind and being assertive should never damage a relationship. Now, sometimes it does, but if you do it properly, it's not because of who you are, it says more about the other person. So it's one reason um, why, Joan, I asked that this book be audio. Because when I started writing it, I realized, man, these words are not going to translate from the page to what it sounds like for someone to do it. So I pitched it as an audio book to Hachette so that people could actually hear me saying um, not just the tip, uh, uh, demonstrating how it sounds in real time. So um, to answer your question more specifically, 
there are certain things that you can do that are going to enable you not to be called that dreaded B word, right? Mm-hmm. Let's start with one tip that I give, and that is using contrasting. Now, contrasting is when you say to someone what you do want and what you don't want. So it might sound like this. It might sound, Joan, I don't want you to think that I'm not grateful for everything you've done for me since I've come to this company because I certainly am. At the same time, I do need to talk to you about my salary because at this point I'm not being compensated fairly. And I believe that there are three reasons why a raise is in order. See, now in that case, I'm not going to go into the whole raise thing because all I want you to hear is the contrasting, what I do want and what I don't want. Joan, how did that sound to you? It's definitely effective. And as you were saying that, I I was thinking that a mistake I make, and I'm sure a lot of other people make, is we go in trying to fight for what it is we want, hitting someone over the head. That's right. You know, and I even have a saying in the book about you don't have to put a, um, a stamp on with a steamroller. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's more effective for women if we don't. And so that contrasting technique is one simple way. Let me give you another example of how you can have a difficult conversation because all of us have to have difficult conversations from time to time. And there's a model in the book that I call the desk script, D-E-S-C. The D stands for describe why I want to have the conversation. The E is explain my viewpoint and elicit yours. The S stands for specify uh, what I, the, uh, I'm sorry, the S stands for specify what I want, and C is um, create consequences. Let me play this out with you now for a minute. I'm going to make up a situation that is not true. I want your listeners to understand this isn't true. Mm-hmm. This is just something that I'm using for the sake of um, an example. And if I were to say to you, and I want you to listen to me using the DESC, Joan, there's something that I'd like to talk to you about, and it's, it's about what happens in meetings when we're together. What I've noticed is that when I start to speak, you often pick up your tablet or your, or your cell phone, and you start um, being distracted by them and not listening to what I have to say, and it makes me feel as if what I have to say isn't important enough to you. And I'm wondering how you see the situation, Joan. Now, how might you respond to me? And don't make it easy for me. I think that I would say something like, can you explain more to me about how you're feeling? Okay. And then I would say, you know, thank you so much for being open to me with regard to this. And I'll give you an example of what happened in the meeting just last week. And then for the sake of time, I'm going to stop there. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, most importantly, Joan, I'm glad that you're open to this. And let me tell you what would be really helpful to me is if in the future, when I start to speak, if you could listen for points that you could add to, because you have a lot of expertise, you have a lot of knowledge. And if you were to add to my points, I really feel as if um, that the team would benefit from our collective wisdom. And when that happens, we become a winning team. Mm -hmm. That's how the desk script sounds. I described why I wanted to talk to you. I explained how I felt about things. I elicited your viewpoint. I specified what I wanted. And I said what the consequence would be. We'd be a winning team. I would have apologized after hearing that and probably said something like, I wasn't aware that I was doing that. Which, isn't that a win-win? I mean, that's the best of all possible worlds. But Joan, you might have said, you might have been more belligerent and said, you know, Lois, I think you're taking this to an extreme. I think... You know, you're just thin-skinned. I don't feel like I do that that often. Now, I'm still not going to argue with you, and I'm still not going to give you those awful you messages. Instead, I'm going to say, you know, Joan, it sounds like we see things differently. Let me tell you what it is I would appreciate that you would do to help me out. And I just move right into problem solving. I don't get into a spitting match with you. Mm -hmm. And this is also a wonderful technique in any interpersonal relationship, not just on the job. Uh, Absolutely. You know, we take who we are everywhere, don't we? And so learning to communicate in these ways uh, is so important in many situations. And I'll give you a really quick example. You know, I brought my car into the car dealership the other day because the audible blind spot um, mechanism wasn't working. And I'm blind in my right eye, so I really need that working. And I bought the car for that reason. And I brought the car in. And they called me the next they had to leave it, and they called me the next day. Uh, not the next day. It was several days later, as a matter of fact. And they said, you know, this guy starts mansplaining to me. 
Okay, he starts mansplaining to me about, well, you know, the car never had that, and uh, we don't really know what you're talking about. He's just going on and on and on, right? Now, here, I used a couple of techniques here. One was the contrasting, but one was also um, being clear coming in what I want going out. So what I said to him was, and I had to interrupt him because he was going on and on. So I very politely interrupted, and I said, I said, Tony, excuse me here. I'm going to interrupt you a second. And I don't want you to think I don't respect what you're saying because I do, you know, and I know you know your business. At the same time, I know my car. And I know why I bought that car. It was because it had that audible blind spot mechanism. And I know it was working and it's not working now. So all I really want to know is how do we get it working again? Now, Tony, there's nothing for Tony to say to that, right, other Mm -hmm. than, well, let me double check and get back to you. And that's all I wanted. I didn't want to be mansplained to. I didn't want to be, because ga- at one point I felt like I was being gaslighted. Right. I didn't want to be gaslighted. I knew why I bought that car, and I knew that it worked. And I think many women would just say, oh, really? You know, well, that, you know I don't understand because it didn't work. It worked for me before. No, you don't have to do all that. You can do it just as clearly as I just did it. You've helped countless women become effective communicators and therefore more empowered on the job. When that happens, what types of results do they see? Yeah, it's really great. I have to tell you, I am like, I feel so blessed that I get these let I get feedback I get for what I do, which many people don't. Um, I get letters and comments on my LinkedIn. I got a bunch of them yesterday and um, people saying, you know what? I followed your tips for asking a raise and I got it. Or you know what, I addressed that difficult conversation, that difficult person in the, work, in the workplace, and although they didn't change, I felt so much better about myself that I do it more often now. I don't put up with people who um, treat me badly. Or, you know, I learned how to go in and negotiate unreasonable expectations. Or I got the promotion that I wanted. Or, you know, I asked for the job I wanted. So those are some of the results that I hear, and it is so heartwarming to me to know that something that I I wrote or that I said or that people could hear um, made a difference in their lives. You've been working for the empowerment of women. Do you believe that we're being treated more fairly today? No. (laughs) Um, And I, I said that exactly like that because I also wanted to model the way for when you're asked a direct question, how to deliver an answer that gets attention. So as soon as I said no, Right. I'm sure that you stopped and thought, what is she going to say next? Wait a mm-hmm. minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I say no for three reasons. Number one, we we can look at certain women who the system is working for them, but we can't say it's working for everyone. And we can't leave any women behind. So even when we talk about, um, you know, pay for women is going up. I always say, well, wait a minute. If you look at pay for women of color, it's not going up, and it's less than that than for Caucasian women doing the same job. So that's one reason I say no. Another reason I say no is because all you have to do is look around the world or our country, and what you see is not women in power. You see men in power. And as long as men have the power, women will always be conforming to their sense of how we should be doing things. You know, it's, it's partly like when people say to me, well, but look at the change on the Supreme Court. We've got many more women. And I say, I'll be happy when it's all women. And we're not counting anymore because it was all men for a long time because they hired the most qualified people. Well, there'll come a time when the most qualified people will be all women. And do, will, will our country have the courage to say that and not count anymore how many there are. So, um, and then the third reason why I say no, I don't think we're making that much progress is because um, I look at women in um, toxic relationships and whether that's at home, whether it's at work, uh, we haven't provided women with the tools to disengage from toxic relationships and expect that they're going to be treated differently. And so those are just three reasons why I say, no, I don't think that we have made um, a, lot, a lot of progress. It's being made at glacial speed. The book is Nice Girls Don't Speak Up or Stand Out, How to Make Your Voice Heard, Your Point Known, and Your Presence Felt. If you'd like to get more information, you can visit drloisfrankel.com. That's drloisfrankel.com. And as always, you can visit our website, 
C-Y-A-C-Y-L.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, follow us on social media, and be sure to subscribe to our mailing list. Dr. Frankel, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? What I'd like to leave them with is that everything that they do or they want in life stems from some kind of communication, right? Everything stems from some kind of communication. And so taking the time to learn how to communicate with courage, confidence, diplomacy, and tact is going to be an investment that pays off for you over the course of your life. And I don't care if you're 18 or you're 78. We communicate all the time. And so what you want to do is you want to go from sometimes feeling you're invisible to feeling invincible. And I feel like my book, uh, Nice Girls Don't Speak Up or Stand Out, will really help you to do that. If people will go to my website, drloisfrankel.com, as you said, and let me know that they purchased the book. Uh, and, they, and, and if they click on the new book tab uh, on the homepage on the, uh, on the uh, website, they'll be taken to a page where they can purchase it. But if they let me know then that they purchased it and they heard me on your show, I'll send them a free companion workbook. Dr. Frankel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Calm, vitality, mindfulness. We all want them, but they seem so hard to attain. Escape the stress and frenzy of the city streets. New York Open Center offers courses, trainings, and a vibrant community to help you start your journey for a more balanced and healthy life. Visit our website at opencenter.org for more information. Stop by our cafe and bookstore for all your wellness needs. Find your center at 30th and Madison. In today's supercharged do-it-now world, convenience is key. Now you can listen to Conversations with Joan at a time that's best for you. Simply visit your favorite podcast site, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or Google. Search for Conversations with Joan and subscribe. New shows drop every Monday. You can also access the podcast through our website, cyacyl.com. Start your week on a positive note. Listen to Conversations with Joan. Today is Dr. Katherine Berndorf, co-founder and medical director of the Motherhood Center, a treatment center in New York City for pregnant and new moms experiencing anxiety and depression. She specializes in treating women before, during, and after pregnancy, as well as at other times of transition in their lives. Dr. Berndorf is an associate professor of psychiatry at Cornell. She was a regular mental health columnist for Self Magazine and has appeared on numerous television programs, including The Today Show, Good Morning America, MSNBC, and CNN. She is the co-author of the new book, What No One Tells You, A Guide to Your Emotions During Pregnancy and Motherhood. Dr. Berndorf is here today to discuss breastfeeding. Welcome, Dr. Berndorf. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Catherine, how important is it for a mother to breastfeed? And if it is, what are the benefits? Oh, I feel like it's almost a trick question, Joan. Um, how important is it? It is important if it is important to you and you want to do it and it works out and it's good for you and it's good for the baby. Then that's a wonderful, perfectish kind of scenario. But I think what I'd say is you got to feed your baby one way or another. So I want to flip it a little bit and say babies need to be fed. Fed is best. 
how they get fed needs to be appropriate, but it certainly doesn't have to be by breastfeeding. If it is, wonderful. And if that works out, terrific. But I find myself in a very funny position often as a reproductive psychiatrist telling women that they're actually feeling worse because they're breastfeeding, even though they think that the bonding that's going on during it is essential. And what will happen is, you know, again, I, can't, I see a population of women sometimes that are, are quite, quite depressed or quite anxious, and they're holding on to something that is adding to their stress and to their illness. And that makes it very, very hard to breastfeed, quote, effectively. And when I say that, I mean, what, are, what is the baby getting for that, right? There's this idea, a very popular idea right now that, that breast milk is better than formula. I don't know that that is actually true, right? There was this idea like, how many IQ points will my kid lose out on if I formula feed them? Will they, will they gain immunity if, if I don't breastfeed? I mean, there, there are some real questions. The IQ one, I take issue with. And I don't think it has been um, definitively proven. In fact, there's, there's more recent studies saying that, that that is not the case and certainly not to the extent we once thought it might be. I, I support breastfeeding. This is not a um, to say that people shouldn't try, particularly if they want to. And, and it's something they, they, they work, will work hard to do. But it, I, I would also say it's not for everybody. I can remember when I had delivered both of my sons, there was a lot of pressure put on me to breastfeed. And with everything that a new mother is going through, it really, it, it just adds to so much stress that they're experiencing at that time. Yes. Again, a very common experience, Joan. It, it's, it, it, these days, again, in 2019, it's a very common in hospitals after women deliver to be really pushed towards breastfeeding um, without the the idea that you don't have to or that you have a choice or that um, or, or, or you know women have told me that they're not offered formula if they if they ask for it or they're they're judged if they do and you know I, I, I hate to say I take issue with that because I think it's I get that it's a, an amazing thing to be able to do in many cases for both mother and child. And I do think there are benefits, tremendous benefits of it. But I think that pushing anything is potentially problematic and deciding that there is one right way really doesn't make sense. Right? It is, it is not so clearly superior that we need to, uh, you know, insist that it be the one and only way to do things. And and when something is treated that way or conceptualized that way, there's pressure and there's shame um, when it doesn't happen. Catherine, is it always easy for a woman to breastfeed? No. I, I would say, well, there's this fantasy that you're just going to pop the baby on the breast and it's they're going to know how to latch and suck and it's going to go easily. I mean, that'd be great. And guess what? For some people there is, they, they do have that experience, but I'd say for the majority of people, it's something to learn how to do. And then for those who can stick with it, given their circumstances, it, it, it gets easier and much more um, becomes more natural. But I don't think it's sort of like becoming a mother, isn't it? just an easy, natural thing to do. No. And I would say the same with breastfeeding. It's not just an easy and natural thing to do for the majority of women. It takes, it takes time to figure it out, both for you and the newborn, and to get to a place where it is, feels easy and natural. And, and even then, you know, what's it like for you? Does it make sense in the context of your life for this particular baby, et cetera, et cetera. So, Catherine, understanding that it isn't always this easy, natural process that we believe it would be and that when it doesn't happen the way we expect it to, we tend to feel like a failure. 
And so when a woman experiences those feelings that she's less adequate and and not able to be this quote unquote perfect mother right from the start, what advice do you offer that woman to help overcome those types of feelings? Well, I think, again, knowing that it that it might not go as planned. So this idea that being flexible, again, if your personality style is more flexible than the next person, you're probably, you know, in, in, in reasonable shape. But but there are many of us who are controlling and a little bit rigid about how we do things and want it to go just the way we thought. So that's that's going to make for a tough time if it's not going well. But but I would say if, it, if it's not going well, it's probably not your fault. Um, and and to not blame yourself and to assume in a self-critical fashion that that you're bad and defective and it's you know it, it cuts to your core, you know it's a skill that you learn. And and again, it's not easy or doable for everyone for a number of reasons. Some of them anatomical, psychological, hormonal. I mean, there there are a multitude of reasons why it may or may not work so well. That doesn't mean you're defective or you're bad. It just means that that it may be more of a struggle for you than the next person who's going to have a struggle with something else. And if we could not judge ourselves and if we could cut ourselves some slack and just say, "Ugh, it's not working. It makes me feel bad, but it doesn't make me bad. Right. Yes, you may feel bad. Yes, the message may be or you really wanted to do it and it's not working. And there's loss in that, right? So you're allowed to feel bad, right? Feelings are legit, right? You, you, if it, if, if you're feeling upset and sad or, um, about it, that's real. But to have that define you or say something about you that you're not good enough is is actually unrelated. And and sometimes it it, it takes talking about it with someone that you trust who's you know, supportive, who's non-judgmental, who can kind of help you see that, right, that it's okay. It, it this, this didn't work out so well. Let's figure out how to get this baby fed and how to find time with that baby. If that's what you were really, was so important to you about the breastfeeding, you know, figure out how, what feeds you're going to be on and how you're going to do it. You know, just, I think organizing around a new system starts to help people feel like, okay, I got this. I can I can get back in the game and I can still be connected to this baby who I thought needed to have breast milk in order to be my child. Not true. Again, talking about it, sharing how you're feeling, getting support from people who are non-judgmental, so that you can get through the loss of something that you wanted to do that's not working out. The book is What No One Tells You, A Guide to Your Emotions During Pregnancy and Motherhood. If you're interested in this topic or others like it, they are covered in this book. And and if you would like to get more information about Dr. Berndorf and her work, you can visit themotherhoodcenter.com. And as always, to hear more from Dr. Berndorf, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Catherine. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Susan McLaughlin from SMC Ventures, and today I'm going to share three tips to Instagram success. The first is planning. Know why you're on Instagram and what you want to accomplish. Think about the week ahead and even the month ahead. Do you have ideas on what you want to post? Write them down in a calendar, or you can use Trello.com to keep track of your ideas on the computer. By planning the month in advance and knowing what you want to achieve, it will take the stress out of doing social media on a daily basis. The second is design. This is super important. Instagram is a visual platform. Unlike Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, you cannot post on Instagram unless you include some sort of visual element. Posts for Instagram can take many formats. Photos, designed posts, video, or even visual word art. All of these can be made in your brand colors and tweaked to look spectacular. I highly recommend using Canva.com to start designing your posts. They have plenty of templates you can try out, and there's a free version, so you can try it out without investing a lot of money. Third is scheduling. Once you've got a plan and some designs, then you can start scheduling your posts. You can use many of the scheduling services to set up your posts for a day, a week, 
or even a month in advance. My favorite overall is Hootsuite. And for Instagram, I use planthat.com. There are many other ways to be successful on Instagram, but these are three good ways to get started. If you need help with social media for your business, give us a call. You can check out our website at smcventures.biz. This is Susan McLaughlin from SMC Ventures. Get social with Sue. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. According to our next guest, Michael Bianca Splann, today's corporate leadership model is failing us, driving us to a state that can have serious consequences to our health and well-being. Michael joins us to talk about ways that we can enrich leadership skills by choosing conscious leadership. Michael is a leadership expert and corporate trainer whose new book is Conscious Leadership, Seven Principles That Will Change Your Business and Change Your Life. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for joining us. John, it's such a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So, Michael, lay out the situation for us. What's happening in today's corporate environment that you believe is causing leadership burnout? Well, uh, it's, it's a culmination of a variety of different factors, uh, not the least of which, and certainly in the United States, uh, the, the greed center, the profit center, uh, most companies are more interested in shareholder value and revenue than the, the human experience in terms of taking care of their associates. We know for a fact uh, there's ample studies out there that show that a significant number of senior executives and senior managers are, are burnt out, uh, overloaded, overworked. Uh, they're feeling powerless and at the end of the day feeling really demotivated and dissatisfied. You know, I have over 30 years working in the corporate construct and I've actually developed the concepts and the principles for conscious leadership around what I've observed over time. So we have a, we have a situation in our, in our business community in which we have burnout in terms of leadership. We have folks that are doing good work, good people doing good work, but at the end of the day, unfulfilled and dissatisfied. And you have to ask yourself the question, uh, you know, you look at economic indicators and it tells a story that, yeah, we have low unemployment, but the truth is if you really ask employees that are working for small, medium, and large companies, how satisfied they are, and, and got the truth, you'd, you'd find that they're really not satisfied. So there's a different way to approach this. So, Michael, for someone that may not be familiar with the term, what is conscious leadership? Well, I think it's important to understand what it's not. Uh, and what it's not is uh, managers following the corporate playbook, uh, again, at the end of the day, being burnt out. Conscious leadership is waking up. Uh, it's, it's stepping away from leadership autopilot, as I call it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, and, and it's so interesting that, uh, you know, your show is around choosing the right attitude. It's so interesting that in, in businesses today, we have, we have a real difficult situation with, with uh, our employees losing, losing the, the interaction, the human connection that takes place. And so stepping into consciousness means waking up stepping away from autopilot, the truth is we make thousands of choices every day. And those choices are primarily unconscious choices. We just simply do the things we do every day. Uh, we simply manage to the status quo. Conscious leadership is waking up, stepping into the present tense, and understanding that there's different choices that can be made when you step into a level of awareness and presence with those in which you're leading. Uh, and a number, all the seven principles in my book speak directly to how you, you go about doing that. And I want to talk about those principles in a moment. But before that, if this is the way that business is always done and it isn't working any longer, but people are afraid of losing their job or getting in trouble on the job, how do we make this switch? Well, this is where leadership, true leadership steps in. This is where leaders at the top of the house, and I work with executive uh, leaders from across a number of different industries. This is where top leadership within companies need to understand the power behind stepping into consciousness. You create the energetic flow for your organization. Uh, it's, it's nice to think that we could start, start at the bottom, but that's not the right place to start. The, the, the correct place to start in terms of bringing consciousness to your organization is at the, is at the executive leadership side. It's the business owner, it's the CEO, it's the folks who operate 
operate at the top of the house. They need to embrace principles that change the dynamic and change the flow uh, in which uh, their leadership is actually uh, doled out. You know, following corporate playbooks is important, certainly policies and procedures, but there's, you know, what you do is important, but how you do what you do is the difference between being successful and not. You know, companies are spending a lot of money on hiring new employees. Retention is a big deal uh, with most companies. Uh, you know, some industries are suffering 40, 50 percent uh, attrition in terms of their workforce. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a better way to do this. And it starts at the top of the house, John. And you mentioned principles. Can you briefly share what these are with us? Yes, I certainly can. Uh, the seven principles in short are, and I, I, I coach this around the act of being. So uh, they're entitled, Be the Real You. Uh, that's not the title. That's not you, the title. It's not you, what your parents think you should be. It's not what your spouse thinks you should be. It's not what your, your uh, environment tells you should be, but the real you, the essence part of who you really are. When you bring that forward, you have a different level of energy and people receive you differently. The second principle is probably uh, one of the more, more challenging ones, but probably the more important of those. And that's be a peace builder, the inside job. In order for us to actually be conscious leaders, we need to quell the fires that exist within our own belief systems. And we all carry those belief systems into the, into the world that we have. They show up as explicit and implicit bias. Uh, being able to recognize what prevents us from stepping into our full self is really important. So it's an inside job. We need to look inside and quell the fires from within. The third principle in the book is be present. And it speaks for itself. You know, when you step into the, this moment, Joan, you and I are sharing this moment in our lives, and that's all there is. When you realize that and you step into presence, you realize that you, you have an opportunity to listen differently. You have a, uh, an opportunity to interact with the person in front of you differently. And ultimately, you have, the, have a, uh, the difference in terms of your choices that you're making, choices that can lift people up. So being present is absolutely critical to, to changing the leadership model. The next principle, principle number four, is be a risk taker. Now, Look, I'm not saying to folks out there, your listeners, that you need to be wild risk takers. That's not what I'm saying. But risk, meaning, you know, risk taking the step to, to be conscious, risk taking the step to know the people, get to know the people that you lead and serve. You know, risk opening your mouth and standing on integrity and ethics. In my mind, and from the research I've done, and we, you know, the listeners out there can just open their eyes and look, I think we have an epidemic in this country of lack of ethics and integrity. So it really is important to, to take the risk to step into integrity and ethics. The next one is to be a transformative communicator. What I mean by that is listening beyond the words. As we know in the human interaction, there's three different components when you're face-to-face. There's the words that you're sharing, there's the tone of voice, and then there's the nonverbals. We also know that the nonverbals tell you more of the story. So l- listening more than the words, viewing more than you see to be a transformative communicator and taking the chance to get to know the folks that you actually lead and serve. The next one is a controversial one, and I've had a lot of people say, be a love leader, be a love leader. And I'm like, yes. I mean, what one uh, quality in life do we as human beings want to give and receive? And let's be, let's be honest here. And, I get, and when I present this in the corporate construct, people look at me like I have nine heads at times. But I'm like, look, we're dealing with clients, we're dealing with customers, we're dealing with employees. Wouldn't you want all of those entities, both internal as well as external customers, to know that you actually care about them? You actually genuinely and sincerely care about them. That's what I mean by being a love leader, is stepping into caring and really supporting those folks that you lead and serve. And then finally, uh, without having to say a whole lot, be a servant leader. That's a model that that's a model that I uh, ascribe to. That's a model that it really informs me in my day-to-day activities as a professional and leadership coach. Uh, you know, being a servant leader means lifting others up. My success is directly predicated on how well I take care of the folks that I lead and serve. So in short, those are the seven principles, Joan. And, you know, Michael, we're talking about these principles in relationship to a corporate environment, but listening mm-hmm. to them, these are leadership principles that we can bring into all areas of our life. Yes. Absolutely. Let, let's be clear to the listeners out there. This book obviously has a, is written from a corporate slant. However, in, in many sections in the book, I allude to the fact that the principles aptly apply in business as well as your personal world, and you're absolutely correct. When we think of leadership, leadership is ubiquitous. 
yes, there's, there's corporate leaders, there's business leaders, there's not-for-profit leaders, there's educational leaders, there's medical leaders, parents are leaders, grandparents are leaders, friends are leaders. All of us have an opportunity to, to improve the world that we live in by, by embracing these principles. And you're absolutely correct. And as you said, Michael, you've been doing this for some time. And when these principles are put into action, what have you seen happen? What are the results? Well, I have my own experiences, and I left the corporate construct. I was uh, working in the financial services, uh, working with a Fortune 100 company, leading lots of people. Uh, And I have 19 years of experience working in financial services across several organizations. What I did is I actually used my my time working in corporate as a laboratory. So I observed, uh, you know, I observed and developed these principles uh, predicated on what uh, what I was what where I was working, who I was working with, and really developed and experimented with these principles. When I em- when I employed these principles, my results both and I was a sales manager as well. So my sales were uh, leading sales results. My customer satisfaction scores improved dramatically, and my employee retention as well as my employee development was also. Uh, impacted very, very positively. So my own experiences have shown that these principles work in a corporate uh, construct. Uh, but I've also, when I, uh, as a professional coach, working with my private clients, and I also uh, have a full-time job working in the largest shipyard in the country, uh, coaching leaders, both civilian as well as military leaders, on enhancing leadership uh, skills. And when I bring these principles and I embed these principles in the, in the folks, with the folks that I'm coaching to develop them, Uh, I watch and I see how not only the interactions that take place between the the coachee that I'm working with and their direct reports, but organizationally things start to change as well. So it's one interaction at a time, and we we can change the, the face of leadership. The book is Conscious Leadership, Seven Principles That Will Change Your Business and Change Your Life. If you'd like to get more information about Michael and his work, you can visit IlluminateAmbitions.com. Michael, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? Yeah, thank you, Jonathan, and thank you for having me on your show here. I, I think the, the real wake-up call is to wake up, uh, you know, turn off the autopilot, realize that you know, choice-making is an important uh, part of living as a human being, and particularly as leaders. Our thoughts create our intentions, our intentions create our choices, and the choices we make in our day-to-day uh, lives create the reality that we live in. So the time, time is now to wake up and step into consciousness. Michael, this is great information. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing it. My pleasure, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you have a visible bump on the side of the foot, tenderness in or around the big toe, difficulty moving the big toe, and or pain in the big toe when walking? If you answered yes to any or all of these questions, you may have a bunion. Hi, I am Dr. Anand Joshi, podiatrist practicing in Woodland Park, New Jersey at Advanced Foot Care of NJ LLC. Bunions are abnormalities of the feet that can cause a bump to develop on the side of the big toe joint. This can cause the toe to turn inwards. Women are more likely to have bunion pain due to increased pressures from narrow footwear. Having a family history of bunions is also a risk factor. Additionally, some conditions, including rheumatoid arthritis or polio, increase the likelihood of developing a bunion. Here are some things you can do to treat a bunion. Wear proper-fitting shoes without high heels. Also, using a bunion pad from a shoe store or a drugstore helps protect a bunion from extra pressure. Applying ice for 10-minute increments with a cloth-covered ice pack can also help reduce the inflammation. A podiatrist can prescribe custom-made orthotics that can assist with stabilizing the deformity and eventually slowing down the progression of the deformity. If a person's bunion does not subside and causes continued pain, surgery may be necessary. If you'd like more information or to schedule an appointment, please visit our website, footpainnj.com. Is stress affecting your ability to sleep? Hi, I'm Allison Ayati, owner of Awaken Sound Health. I know you. 
And I've been you. The end of the day comes, you lie down in your warm and comfortable bed exhausted, but your mind won't shut down. Instead of sleeping, you are thinking about the events of your day, the past week, your to-do list for tomorrow, your family, your work, and sleep won't come. In order to sleep, you need to find a way to turn off your thoughts. What if I told you I have a solution, a musical solution? It's a recording that is designed to help you unwind at the end of your day and get to sleep. It works through the process of entrainment. As you listen to the music, your breathing slows, your heart rate slows, and the activity of your mind also slows down. Your brain moves from the waking beta state down into alpha, then theta, and finally delta, and you are asleep. Good sleep has been shown to improve problem-solving skills and enhance memory. What could be easier than listening to music to fall asleep? And when you get into a pattern of good sleep over time, it could also spur creativity, sharpen your attention, reduce symptoms of depression, and lower stress. Go to awakensoundhealth.com, download Sleep Song, and just listen to relax at the end of your day or listen to fall asleep. Download Sleep Song at awakensoundhealth.com. Sound therapy is not a replacement for medical or psychological intervention. Do you or does your child struggle to get through your daily to-do list? Hi, I'm Scott Doty, professional academic mentor, performance coach, and owner and CEO of Brainstorm Tutoring Elite Network of Professional Academic Coaches in the NYC area. We are all after that elusive ah moment, the empty inbox, the fully checked off to-do list, the feeling that we have crushed it today. Unfortunately, it almost never happens. That to-do list keeps growing. It never gets done. So we need to take control of our to-do lists and learn how to reclaim our tranquility while still being productivity ninjas. Here are three pointers. First of all, we need to prioritize our to-do list. We have to make a general to-do list, but then we also have to make a daily to-do list. Today's to-do list should be one-third of our overall list at the most. So if we have 18 items overall that we want to get done right now, we're going to put six on today's list. The second thing we need to do is prioritize today's six. We've got to pick a few, two or three, that we're going to call win column items, meaning if we get these done and nothing else, we can put today in that win column. And the third item idea is that we have to eat the frog. That means that we need to do the hardest thing first. Mark Twain said that if you eat a frog first thing in the morning, nothing will be quite as unpleasant the rest of the day. So pick that one item. If you get it done first, that you can say, ah, thank God it's off my mind. And the rest of the day is already in the wind column and I can enjoy myself and be productive without being stressed. If you have any more ideas or questions you'd like to throw by me, again, my name is Scott Doty from Brainstorm Tutoring. You can reach me at stormthetest.com. In today's supercharged do-it-now world, convenience is key. Now you can listen to Conversations with Joan at a time that's best for you. Simply visit your favorite podcast site, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or Google. Search for Conversations with Joan and subscribe. New shows drop every Monday. You can also access the podcast through our website, cyacyl.com. Start your week on a positive note. Listen to Conversations with Joan. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call expert provides strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Amy Collins, author of the book Infant Inspiration and creator of the online course Moms, Courageous Women Raising the Next Generation. Amy promotes thoughtful conversations around motherhood. Her insightful perspectives look to empower mothers to own their role, clarify how it works best for them, and confidently express it. She's here today to discuss why moms need to be playful. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Joan. It's always good to be here. So, Amy, you work with mothers on clarifying how they want to be in their role as mom, and you encourage them to be playful. And and I think that this is so important because as moms, we tend to take everything so seriously. So why do you think (laughs) it's important? Well, it's important because being a mom is so dynamic. And obviously, we have the opportunity to learn as a mother every day. And it's definitely challenging. Um, But it's really important, Joan, that we intentionally lighten the mood. Because when we do insert a sense of playfulness, we get those endorphins going and, you know, studies show that the brain functionality is kicked up higher and we stimulate creativity. And, you know, it's, it 
it even gives us as mothers, it keeps us young and feeling energetic. Studies even show that play improves our memory. I think it was Irma Bombeck. There was a, a column written many years ago where she talked about the importance of getting on the carpet and playing with the kids and, you know, that they're not going to remember how clean the house was or how perfect everything was in their surrounding, but they will remember mom throwing a baseball with them or, you know, doing something playful like you're saying. And in today's world, kids, their lives are so structured and they're just as in a, a, a lot of time for free play. Well, there's a couple things I want to say in regards to that. First of all, some of the benefits simply, like I just mentioned, it builds creativity. When, we're, when we allow kids to play, when we allow ourselves some, some playtime with our kids, it encourages us to become more creative. It also encourages us to develop social skills and collaborative play skills, right? So our children learn how to resolve conflict when they're playing with each other or playing with you. Um, they learn how to speak up and, um, and, you know, assert themselves and suggest ideas about what to play next. Um, so it also fosters independence. And it also, you know, it provides them an opportunity to discover their own interests and skills. Amy, do you have any other suggestions that parents can do to encourage a playful spirit? Absolutely. I think it's important for mothers to intentionally, when possible, set aside some specific time for them to really interact and be playful with their kids. Um, I also think it's important for moms to pick an appropriate activity, right, based on what um, not only your child likes but what you enjoy doing too. And sometimes let your child lead and sometimes you lead in the activity. Maybe you you suggest Play-Doh one day and the next day your child suggests bouncing a ball back and forth. And lastly, really be creative. Be creative, be in the moment, and let yourself laugh. And I think as moms, we're role modeling behavior all the time. And so it's really important to have that sense of spontaneous silliness, which can be taught. We can teach ourselves to do that, but also to be able to laugh at ourselves when something happens that could be funny. Motherhood's a fascinating journey, Joan, as -hmm. we know. And, uh, you know, it's a challenge. But when we interlace it with a sense of lightness and buoyancy and playfulness, then it benefits everyone. Amy, thank you for this reminder. If you would like to learn more about Amy and her work, you can visit amymcollins.com. And as always, to hear more from Amy, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Amy. joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember, the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, Listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.